0: Today's episode of the NBA Show on the Ringer Podcast Network is brought to you by State Farm. Just like basketball, the game of life is unpredictable. Talk to a State Farm agent and get a teammate who can help you navigate the unexpected and help you handle whatever life throws your way. Unpredictable like what is the 2021-2022 season going to look like in the NBA with possible sweeping changes ahead. Get a teammate who can help you navigate the unexpected. Talk to a State Farm agent today about combining your home and auto insurance. Today's episode of The Mismatch also brought to you by once upon a time in hollywood see hollywood's biggest stars leonardo dicaprio brad pitt and margot robbie in quentin tarantino's once upon a time in hollywood time magazine says dicaprio and pitt are marvelous together now with over 20 minutes of additional scenes and exclusive access to the set once upon a time in hollywood watch it now on digital rated r ringer nba show i'm chris vernon and joining me as he does every tuesday from the ringer.com is kevin o'connor aka kevin o concert aka kevin o aka kevin O'Bomber, aka kevin o Candyland, kevin opinionated kevin O'Croissant,
1: <laughs> kevin berno do you just rattle those off the top of your dome or do you have a list and you just pull them off it i
0: usually just rattle them off i have compiled a list before when i want <laughs> uh when i when i'm feeling forgetful
1: <laughs> I'm 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 glad you have that for reference Chris. I, I we need a master list of all of them. That's there right.
0: has been a lot that has taken place since we last spoke Kevin and we last mm, spoke on Friday. So much. Um over the weekend news broke from Adrian Wojnarowski and Zach Lowe that there could be sweeping changes ahead for the NBA. And you wrote about this through the perspective of Uh, Not only that there are European players, most exclusively Luca, that are taking hold in the NBA, but also that Adam Silver has professed in the past that he likes some of the ideas that he can glean from soccer and the way they're set up. So let's take these one by one. The first one is an in-season tournament that would be proposed um, that would take place you know, around Thanksgiving time through the first couple of weeks of December, my initial reaction to this was, oh, cool. And then it was, so what do they get? And there seems to be no great answer as to what they get. I mean, the only thing that I have, you know, gathered is that there would be some kind of financial stake, But I mean, you can't tell me that you can't say then there'll be some kind of financial stake like that. There has to be some kind of great reward for winning the tournament. Otherwise, why would
1: the players, organizations and fans even care? You know, it's an interesting problem and an interesting conversation, and especially in regards to the midseason tournament. Um, because this is so foreign to the NBA, but it's such a normal thing. in European soccer and European basketball for them, it is. But for fans in North America, it's not. And I think it is important for the league when this is proposed and maybe when it's approved to come up with a pretty clearly defined type of reward, whether it is compensation for players and coaches, whether it is something like I put in my article today, such as wins are worth extra in the regular season standings or whether there's some type of team award like draft increased draft odds or something like that. There needs to be some type of reward in that sense. However, I think the league stance is that the thrill of competition just takes over. Like it does on some of these international tournaments that take place and maybe over time tradition builds and this becomes, becomes a point of pride for teams. So you can say, you know, you know, the Utah Jazz went to two NBA finals and won one, but they also won three straight cups and the Thanksgiving cups, whatever the name would be. And it becomes a point of conversation and a point of pride for fan bases across the league. And that very well may happen, which is why I tend to take the stance here, Chris, that I think we need to be looking at this as fans and as media and as the league as just something to try, because what's happening right now is not working. We know it's not working with ratings, either dipping or staying the same in some cases and there being a lack of interest and guys like Giannis Antetokounmpo one of the best players in the game dropping 50 points and last night last night's game against the Utah Jazz and I think for the league this is at least worth experimenting with and if it if they try it and there's no interest and it flops they can pull the plug in a couple years that's the way i look at it but it's worth experimenting with something new and something innovative by the nba standards because what's happening now isn't working and i appreciate the open-mindedness to that i
0: am totally with you on this um i i like trying whatever, especially during these late fall months where football it, like people don't really if Christmas Day always feels like the day where people start really tuning in to the NBA and paying attention and the first couple of months of the season can get lost. And so why not have some kind of reason beyond the the 82 games that they are you know the, the the reason to tune in and single elimination is always fun it's always fun if somebody's getting knocked out of something that's fun i just want the reward to be great i actually like your idea about the increased draft odds because look a lot of these changes are being made yes because of interest at least tv ratings wise and i'll get to that a little bit later being down but beyond that you had teams that were actively attempting to be bad. They knew they would go into the season to be bad. And so what they did is they flattened out the lottery odds. We already saw that take major shape last year and have a grand effect. They're doing a lot of these things to de-incentivize teams to be bad and instead encourage them to try to be as competitive as they could possibly be. With that being said, you do... I mean, look, we have had teams... Simply because of the draft, and we know how important it is to them, we have had teams draft-wise decide that they are just going to punt on the last two months of the season. That's how much it matters to them. So anything draft-related, I do think, is a great incentive. I don't know how necessarily you, you pull that off, but... I would certainly bring that to the table as something that should be discussed because I do think that matters. That matters more to franchises than, than 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 money does. I mean, we tried doing this with the All-Star Game. They don't give a crap. They pay them more money now. It doesn't matter. Like, unless you're going to make like something like the dunk contest, you know, a $10 million reward, you're not going to get the best of the best. But if you made it 10000000 bucks, million, you'd get everybody in the dunk contest or whatever it would be. Um...
1: That's I, why I, I, compensation is, isn't enough yeah, for most I, it's players. Not, it's for some not. players, it is, right? For, for the 13th, 14th, 15th guy on the roster, they're on a 2A contract or a league minimum one-year deal as a second-round pick, then the money matters. But to most players, it doesn't.
0: Well, for organizations, the draft thing would matter. The question is, how do we get the players to care about winning the tournament? You know what I'm saying?
1: Well, I mean I mean that's what the NBA's stance is here and I you know that just the spirit of competition would take over that it's a one and done single elimination tournament and that in this type of format players have at least shown from what I've been told an interest in this type of format because for some guys like take someone like Ben Simmons for example he didn't get to play In the NCAA tournament, this is a way for guys like him or guys that got knocked out early or didn't even play college basketball to get that thrill in an NBA setting. So there's a chance that would happen. I I don't necessarily think that players would all be load managed or that they would sit out. I think it's something that is worth trying because of the the possibility that players are just really into this. Because it seems like in those conversations between the NBA, between the Players Association, and between the broadcasting partners, that it's something they're, they're at least encouraged by, yeah. that there would at least be players having interest. Without necessarily a, a significant reward in return. Though they, I think they should have that.
0: Yeah, I am with you. That's the only thing. I, I want, I, I am fine with an in-season tournament. I just want the reward for winning it to be great. That's it.
1: In my article today on the ringer, I reported, let me preface this. A ton of stuff has been proposed or discussed or debated in the, in these meetings. Virtually anything you can think about has been mentioned, but two of the ideas that I mentioned in my article today, one would have been in this single elimination knockout tournament. The wins could be worth double towards regular season standings, or the league could entirely change or eliminate the win-loss system and then use a point system, which we see in the NHL here in North America, we see in the EPL, in the Premier League, in the World Cup. is Are either of those types of formats something that you would be interested in, Chris, moving forward in the NBA?
0: I do think if the
1: wins were worth double, yes. Not the point system, though.
0: Uh, the point system, you know, look, the reason that the point system, to me, it makes more sense in hockey and in soccer is because of ties and because of the way they do their overtimes and about you know being able to get a point while still either not winning, basically. And I don't want any part of that. Because, look, there's a, there's a winner and a loser in basketball. You're never, you're never going to end in a tie. There's a winner and a loser. And I don't want to go to, like, a sudden death. Um, but, I, yeah, I, I think if you made the, if you made the wins worth double... Yeah, that would incentivize guys.
1: I mean, I mean, and that, and that also, though, creates new potential issues, though, something like that, because then right. you can have teams, you know, theoretically having more wins and losses right. over 82. You could theoretically have a team that wins the tournament deciding, oh, we already clinched our playoff spot or clinched the one seed, and now we're going to rest guys in april like you could have that could happen to like reverse load management because they won the tournament now they're resting guys in april in the lead up to the actual playoffs so there's a whole new set of issues any type of idea you come up with and, and we'll get to some more of those when we talk about the, the postseason play in tournament um but there's there's issues no matter what there's issues now there's issues with the proposed you know changes i just tend to just side with the fact that I am all in favor of experimentation, and I hope these things do go through when the board of government meetings does happen in April.
0: Yeah, maybe if there is something tied to, all right, if you don't want to do the wins double because you can't even everything out, maybe there is something tied to the end of the season. Maybe there's something tied to you know the playoffs and or seeding and or having the opportunity to play in. Because, because here's the other thing. We are already talking about, and let's get to the next thing, the idea of having a play-in for 7-8 uh, and eight and 9-10. and 10. And I will tell you, Kevin, I love this.
1: Yes, I'm glad I love we're on it. the same page on this. I'm all yes, for it. Yeah.
0: I absolutely love it. You remember how fun, and, and this is what the league is talking about, how great was it the last day of the regular season a couple of years ago when we saw that uh, Denver-Minnesota game. For everything. Yes. I love the wild card in baseball. I love
1: that one game. I love it. It's been a massive success in baseball. And you mentioned that Denver, Minnesota game. That's been brought up to me multiple times in conversations with people around the league. Because that day, that day was awesome. Awesome. It, it was first of all, it's a great game. It went to overtime between Denver and Minnesota. The buildup to that with Minnesota not being in the playoffs for over a decade with Denver winning six in a row to put themselves in that game with a chance to get the eight seed in the West. And the fact, and this is wild to me, it was the first final day play in game in 21 years in the nba and so without a play-in tournament we may not get another one of those right. for over two decades but here's the problem that game was not on national tv because it wasn't scheduled for national tv so either the nba needs to have have greater ability to flex games to national tv or the league needs to and, and or the league needs to have this play-in tournament with a seven, eight, nine, and 10 seeds i'm Hundred percent all for it because it creates a game and a and a system that has that excitement and that thrill every single April the team's pushing for the postseason.
0: Well, and not to mention, Kev, you you know, if we're talking about incentivizing the maximum amount of teams to be competitive, right? Yep. That everybody's giving their best effort, you can go pretty deep on this. Um I get it. Like they could say, oh, well, we don't want some of these rat teams in the playoffs anyway. But here's where here's where I am on this. If you look (laughs) back at, you know, say there's there's going to be years where if there's 15 teams in a conference, whoever was 13th is probably not that far off from whoever is 10th. Okay, so let's say last year, right? Nine and 10 were the Kings and the Lakers. Okay. Those are the two teams oh, that wow. would have been yeah. nine and 10 in. The, so LeBron would have made the playoffs last year. You imagine, don't
1: think, imagine the thrill. LeBron uh, plays only 55 games. They get the 10 seed. Yes. And then they win that. They win the matchup versus the Kings. And then they face the seven or the eight, whoever lost that for a chance to get into the postseason. And then they're the eight seed. Okay. <laughs> and they so got a round one matchup. That would be look, awesome. So from the Lakers, if you just go down from there, they
0: were to the 10, Right. Phoenix is the only team in the league. They won 14 less games than everybody. So they were 18 off, okay? But Minnesota was one game back of the Lakers. The Grizzlies, four games back. Pelicans, four games back. Mavericks, four games back. I mean, when you're talking about all those teams, those teams are all within four of 10. And so do you conduct yourself a little bit differently the last month, two months of the season? Or maybe... The entire season, do you conduct yourself differently? Because you know it is much better for us if we can somehow even get to 10 or 9. At least we're getting playoff basketball for our fans. We've got a chance once we get there. Um, And some of these teams that start off real slow or somebody that incurs some kind of great injury. Like... Let's say with the Warriors, if they were to get Curry back, right? Like, maybe they would have a chance at at getting to 10. There's no chance that they're getting to 8, but they might be able to get to 10. So, I am all for this. You could have as many. If you take last year, let's just say last year, 14 out of the 15 teams in the Western Conference could theoretically care about, you know, being playoff teams, Just even if it's just, you know, an off chance. And you, and you are certainly going to be the underdog in most cases, but they're all within four games of each other from 10 to 14. And so incentivizing teams to be good, incentivizing the maximum amount of teams not to punt on a season and make those games meaningless the last month, I love it. I absolutely love it. This is by far my favorite of the ideas that they are talking about.
1: Let me, let me agree with you that I love this as well, but there are some issues that need to be ironed out here because if you do have a playing tournament with the seven, eight, nine and 10 seeds in each conference, how does that affect the lottery odds? Is that something that needs to go undergo another revision to account for the fact that are you going with? standings from before the play-in tournament? Are you going yes. with standings from after the play-in yes. tournament? And does that create a new set of issues? Will Will you have teams tanking out of the sixth spot to get into the play-in tournament for additional revenue, for an additional game, additional, additional national TV game, and everything that comes with it? If you do the standings before the tournament, could a team potentially go into the 10 seed and get higher lottery odds, but still make the playoffs. Or if you do the standings after the planned tournament, can a team potentially get the seven seed, but then lose, but still get lo- lottery odds. I don't know. I, I don't have answers no. to this. Nobody I've talked I, to does either. I would it, not it, worry about that in
0: the least because really? no, it, what are going to you You're going to lose that revenue. Um, possibly you're going to have a much worse chance because you are not going to have that great of a chance you if you are as i understand it the way they have proposed it if you are seven and eight you need to win one game if you are nine and ten you have to win two games
1: correct so
0: nobody's going to tank to get down there to get i mean because you're still not getting some kind of amazing lottery odds the math isn't in your favor
1: in that way sure but you can still get odds you still have odds yeah but like I mean it's
0: a math it's a math equation you would be insane to do that the difference between six and ten is not great enough especially when you would have the opportunity to play uh, theoretically a weaker team the,
1: re- regardless of the theoretical decisions teams would make there still needs to be changes made to the lottery odds that that's that's the main point yeah, regardless, yeah, I, of, what, regardless uh, of the theoretical but if you're six Let's say last year. Let's do that again, right? And, and, and by the way, I mean, the Lakers had the 10th best odds last year, and then they moved up to the fourth pick. So it right. can happen.
0: Yeah, well, I, I mean, if you had six last year, you don't want your second-round opponent to be the Warriors. You're not going to tank down for a draft uh, something. And, and then if you win your series, they didn't have to play the Warriors into the Western Conference Finals.
1: Forget about the theoretical aspect for a minute they still need to iron out the lottery odd aspect again when that just changed. That's so very, very minor That's minor. That's minor. Maybe it is. Maybe it is. And maybe this is an opportunity to get even better changes in. That's always possible too.
0: All right. The other one is, and this is the last of them, which is a big one, is reseeding the conference finals. Um, all right. My initial reaction was, I hate this. Really? Yeah, huh. I do. I hate it. I like it being west versus east and unless you are going to have a balanced schedule that to me is not right because it's easier to it's, it has been easier to win 55 or 60 games in the Eastern Conference than it has in the Western Conference. And so if you are going to I understand the whole we want to get the two best teams but it's hard to delineate the two best teams when you're talking about uh one 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 team uh, plays in a conference where there could be a bunch of good teams. I mean, look, the eighth seed in the Western Conference had 48 wins. I think you and I both agree, Sacramento and LA, if we would have put them in the East, they'd have been playoff teams last year. Even teams below that, the Lakers, the Timberwolves, or you know, I'm sorry, the Timberwolves, um, maybe even the Pelicans, like those teams, they would have had chances at being in the playoffs if they are in the Eastern Conference. So, I mean, those are, you play a much higher level of competition last year if you're in the West. So how is that fair? How is it fair that it gets reseeded by regular season record? That's what I don't like. I don't want to get reseeded by regular season record unless you are going to play a balanced schedule. But as long as the Western Conference plays the Western Conference more and the Eastern Conference less and the Eastern Conference plays itself more, that's, the uh, total wins in order to reseed it. That's not, that's not right. That's not right to me.
1: Well, and and that ties also to the, one of the other issues with the in-season tournament, that if you're using divisional play in game, if you're using divisional games to determine who gets into the play in tournament, every division is, is imbalanced as well. So it's the same thing that you're mentioning with the conferences that certain divisions are stronger than others. And, Ultimately, I'm with you in that sense that I don't I don't like the fact that the conferences are so imbalanced. And that that touches on a whole greater issue where I think I, I've long sided with the fact that I would rather have a league with no conferences at all, and I would rather have a 16 tournament without any regard to conferences. I'd prefer me personally, I would like a 58 game schedule. Every every team plays twice, perfectly balanced, headed to the postseason with 16. Teams in the postseason, no conferences, and then you could also have maybe one or two t- midseason tournaments to make up for the lost games. That's my ideal NBA regular season schedule. Um, but what they have now, it seems like a half measure. and i'm I'm interested in it. I think it could create more interesting matchups in the conference finals. You have an increased probability of a you know a matchup you may never see otherwise. With two cross cross finalists facing off in the in the in the whatever the the conference finals at that point, I don't know. I I, I feel like there's also kind of something kind of nice about the Lakers facing off against you know the Bucks, the you know, teams that face each other only twice during the regular season. I tend not to care as much about that.
0: I do. I like the West versus the East. I like. I want to keep that intact. I'm, you know, look. I am so, all so for you, so you innovation. Don't want, this is so where you, I yeah, this is where the traditional stuff gets to me. I don't want to see the, the the Warriors and the Rockets in the NBA Finals. I like West versus East. I like they play their conference, the West plays their conference. Whoever comes out of those two conferences gets to play each other. I mean, this is not, you gotta remember, this stuff is not gonna be this way forever. I it is it is hard for me to understand why the West has been so much better than the East for so many years. Um, but you're, you're thinking about the long view here and things are not going to be the way they are forever. And so that feels like being a prisoner of the moment, possibly to try to do something like that. And, and I don't, I just don't think it needs to be done. I don't, I don't think it needs to be done. And, and I hate the, I hate the win total thing, determining it. I don't think that's right.
1: Yeah. Well, because wins aren't necessarily indicative of which team is actually better.
0: Well, it's just, it's easier to get 60 wins in the East. Of course,
1: yeah, no, you know exactly. The, it, yeah, you know what the you know the best the best
0: regular season record last year was the Milwaukee Bucks.
1: That's that's why that's why like I said I don't I don't really care quite as much about seeing Bucks Lakers cross finalists in in the actual NBA Finals. I think it would still be nice to see that in the second round or the third round. It doesn't make a difference when you see it in my eyes. I also think it could be a really unbelievable thing if. In the actual finals, you saw these two teams that battled each other five times over the course of the regular season go at it again for potentially seven more epic games, too. I don't care as much about the traditional traditionalist aspect of it. I just want what's fair. And that's where, for me, it's about getting rid of conferences rather than this type of half measure that they're that they are potentially proposing with just the conference finals actually being receding. I think it's I think it's again. I think it's worth experimenting with because it moves you toward, at least in my vision, my ideal world for the NBA with no conferences. Because if it's a success and if it's something that's of interest, maybe then the league's like, why don't we just reseed the entire playoffs? And then that's one step closer to getting a truly, truly balanced schedule for the NBA because you're not going to get it at all. In one swing that just doesn't work that way. It doesn't work that way nah. in politics. It doesn't work that way in sports. It doesn't work that way in virtually anything like it or not. So for the NBA, this is at least one step forward towards what I would imagine is the ideal for the NBA. So I, I'm overall happy for it and would hope it happens, even though it's not perfect.
0: All right. So you would like race heating.
1: I'm for all three of the big proposals, okay. reseeding in season right. tournament and playing tournament, all, primarily because I am for where it's heading. It's not all the way to where it needs to be. And there are solutions that need to be ironed out, but it heads towards my ideal okay. for the NBA. Well, so I'm I just for I, I want that
0: to happen first for the interest of fairness. I want that to happen first. Play elite. Uh, that's fine. Throw them all in a pot. And like the NFL, you know, you can have your divisions, but what we are going to do is we're at least going to have a balanced schedule where everybody's playing everybody, you know, you you might play your division more, but that's it, right? And then you are playing a more balanced schedule because until that is the case, it's not right to me to determine your playoff seeding once you get to the biggest moment of the year based upon a regular season win total where you got to play a significantly easier schedule than another team. That's not right.
1: It's interesting, though, because it's not like other leagues have balanced schedules. Uh, NFL certainly doesn't. No, Um, but it is more balanced. NHL doesn't. Is it? Yes, absolutely. You play
0: your division, right? Two times each. So that gives you six games. Your 10 other games, you are playing another division from the other conference, which constitutes four of your games. Okay, you only have 16 games overall. A fourth of your schedule is played against a random conference from the other or a random division from the other conference.
1: Yeah, it's balanced over the course of time. Yeah. Between seasons, like not just one individual season, though.
0: Right. But I mean, that evens out.
1: You know what I mean? Like, I mean, you can't you
0: can't you can't say, look, I mean, I know your Patriots have had it easy for over a decade. They get six wins virtually every year by playing their division.
1: That's a myth, but that's, it co- is. that's a conversation. it's a, co- it's a myth. You can look at the numbers we're talking about the a myth. myth. You can look at the numbers that the Bills, the Jets, and the Dolphins have, have put sunk. up in it, You can look at the numbers they've put up in comparison to the bottom three in every other division in football, and you will see some surprising numbers, Chris, that no. were against what you just said.
0: What is the best season that any of those three have had in the last decade?
1: They have not been good, but you can. Like I said, you so can look at the bottom about three. Here? You can look at the bottom three and other divisions and see the
0: bottom three in other fared, divisions.
1: They fare comparably. They are not comparable. Well or poorly, depending how you want to look at it.
0: None of Just them have so- done dick for a decade. They're not comparable. <laughs> Uh, in the last decade, what have the Bills, I don't, the Dolphins. I don't, I
1: don't have the numbers right in front of me, but I will look them up. I do have the numbers. It's zero seasons worth of crap. If we want to pause, if we want to take a timeout, out this season. conversation right here, I will pull up the numbers and do the research.
0: I mean, for goodness right sakes, it was like, they got butt fumble guy that went to a couple <laughs> of, uh, that went to an AFC championship <laughs> once or twice. I mean, that's what they had. The Bills, the Dolphins? What? These are moribund franchises. Bro, you're the only person in America that is arguing on behalf of the Bills, the Dolphins, and the friggin' Jets.
1: Point being, what do you think their win percentage ranks this century compared to other divisions?
0: I have no idea. It's first. We're counting the Patriots.
1: Take the Patriots out. Yes. uh, You're taking the first team out of it every year. You're, taking, you're looking only at the bottom three. That's what I was asking. The second, third, and fourth place teams. They finish first in win percentage against other divisions. Against every other team. They finish first. And so maybe one of the reasons those teams are beating up on each other, maybe it's because they're losing to the Patriots who have beating up on everybody for the whole century. It's a myth. Are they, have those teams been good for a while? No, they haven't. They've stunk for a while, like you said. But this century, they have a better one percentage against the rest of the league. It's true.
0: Oh, my God. You Patriots fans, you're unbelievable. All right. Last thing. Because
1: uh, you do everything to diminish their greatness. What no, we're seeing I, What are you now, talking about?
0: I have no, I, I'm not even a Patriots hater. You, you, you,
1: just, you just said they but get, six, said they get six free wins every year. They do. Okay, so that, is that not trying to diminish the greatness of a team? They are, they, they are the spurs of the NFL. They are modern 60 Celtics. What we're seeing is unbelievable. It's beautiful to watch.
0: It's beautiful
1: to watch. It's beautiful to watch, Chris. Yeah. It was beautiful. When they steal, when they steal a game on Sunday, it the referees Sunday steal a game. It and it was Mike Pereira is defending on it. Unbelievable. <laughs> Dude, uh, the, uh, by the way, the NFL propagandist referees on the broadcast. Oh, my God. Every oh. Sunday. Troy Aitman
0: should be given an award for what he did on Sunday, standing up to Mike Pereira. He should be given an award. He should he should go immediately to the to the to the uh broadcasting hall of fame, <laughs> in my opinion, for what he did. Uh, I mean, for uh, God's sake, Troy Aitmus had 75 concussions and he knows what the hell he's talking about. <laughs> Unbelievable. Dude, what is Mike I- Pereira's excuse? I would, I would, unbelievable, <laughs> dude. His, right.
1: his excuse is he's doing propaganda for the NFL. Oh, that's stop. what Are- no,
0: Mike Pereira is. All right, uh, yeah, Pereira, by the way, yeah. yeah, move over, Clark and Mays. We just took over the NFL show for five minutes. All right, Kevin, we'll get right back to it. This NBA season, Mountain Dew is all about the threes, the shot that's changing the game, which is why we bring you a special segment beyond the three point, presented by Mountain Dew. Three-pointers like what Zach Levine hit over the weekend. Good grief. He was uh, reigning threes and became, I believe, the second most in NBA history hitting a game when he hit 13. Beyond the Three-Point, brought to you by Mountain Dew, the official beverage of the NBA. Do the Dew. Today's episode of The Mismatch, also brought to you by Brilliant Earth. Create your own one-of-a-kind engagement ring from a variety of ethically sourced diamonds, gemstones, metal types, and settings with Brilliant Earth. Brilliant Earth has exclusive, unique designs you can't find anywhere else, brought to life by Master Jewelers. They also offer wedding rings, earrings, bracelets, and necklaces. Brilliant Earth is also the global leader in ethically sourced fine jewelry, They offer beyond-conflict-free diamonds, along with fine jewelry crafted from recycled precious metals, and they donate 5% of the profits to help build a brighter future in communities impacted by the jewelry industry. To make your Brilliant Earth purchasing experience as stress-free as possible, they offer free shipping and returns on all orders. They also offer flexible payment options, including easy monthly payments from 0% APR financing. Order today for delivery by Christmas and receive a surprise gift with the purchase of an engagement ring. To see the terms for this special offer and to shop all of Brilliant Earth's selections, go to brilliantearthcom slash ringer NBA. That's brilliant earth.com slash ringer NBA. All right. Uh, we are in unison. We like the in season uh, tournament. Uh, I want to get a good reward for it. Uh, We are in totally on playoff, uh, or I mean a play-in into the playoffs. Um, We are also in on, well, I am not on reseeding. You like reseeding. Um, But certainly um, the overarching sentiment from both of us is we are all in favor of change. That being said, Kev, there is a... You know, there's this underlying thing of growing interest in the NBA because ratings are down. Um, And I have thoughts on this here. And and this has changed. My perspective has changed because I have a nine-year-old son who loves the NBA greatly. He does not see the, the two biggest by far. It's not even close. The two biggest stars in the NBA are LeBron James and Steph Curry to a kid. It's not even close. And those two players are both on the West Coast. And so their games are played late. I know they have tried to move up these times. But when you have spent uh, the last 30 years building up the NBA to promote superstars rather than teams, individuals rather than teams, this can happen. And when you think about a lot of the great players in the league, if they're playing on the West coast and they're playing after a lot of people, you know, people need to get up for work in the morning. People, uh, and certainly kids are not able to stay up for those games. You know, you're talking like over 75% of the country does not live in the Pacific time zone. And so that is late. And it is super late on the East coast, which has the the greatest amount of population. Um, and so this is kind of a function of, in my opinion, your biggest stars being in time zones where it's very difficult to watch them unless you're going to catch them on a weekend. Um, and th- by the way, the other one, you know who else is huge? Kevin Durant. And he's not playing this year. So the only one of the three biggest stars are, is LeBron. And he's playing on the West Coast. And he's on a team with Anthony Davis. Kawhi has pushed his way into superstardom. But he's playing on the West Coast now, as is Paul George, who... Sells shoes too, as is Damian Lillard, who kids like and sells shoes. I mean, really, the only guys that are not playing in you know of the huge ones is Giannis. He's kind of like the Central Eastern Time Zone guy right well, now. I mean,
1: it's Giannis, Harden, Luca, Westbrook—all Central Time Zone as well.
0: And it would have been Zion. Zion would have yep. been huge, and he I will mean, be who, huge.
1: Who Who's the best player on a East Coast Time Zone team? Is it? And Bede, is it Beal is it Siakam?
0: Yeah, right. And Butler kids, and, and I'm telling you that kids and adults for that matter, they don't. Th- those guys are not superstars. And I'm talking about like the average American knows who they are, not the average NBA fan or yes, m- yes. Or certainly the 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 serious NBA fan. They're not like. They're, they're, like Joel Embiid is not a superstar in the sense that the average American knows who that is. There's very few that have crossed over completely to where they are like famous, famous, like they are American fame, like Durant is in that category. Um, I would say LeBron is in that. Steph is in that. Those are the ones that I think I could walk down a random street and I could find unanimously everybody would know who those people are.
1: And that's, and that's essentially, you know, the core of the issue here and and where I don't have any ideas for the solution. And it's like you, you, if you're a casual NBA fan this morning and you go to ESPN.com forward slash NBA, and you look at the top headlines, it's first of all, the main article is something by Tim Bon temps about Kemba Walker. Then the top headlines are LeBron. Uh, credits the Spurs for his improvement from three. It's about the Blazers winning behind Carmelo scoring 25. It's about Embiid being held scoreless. It's about Celtics ruling out Kemba. It's about Josh Hart clarifying his Lakers remarks. It's about Thunder guard guard Hamadou Diablo being out for four to six weeks to find Giannis scoring 50 points You have to scroll down the page past Stephen A talking about Embiid going scoreless, past a Royce Young article, past an undefeated article, and then only then do you find that Giannis Antetokounmpo, one of the three best players in the league, dropped 50 points last night on the Utah Jazz, and yes, Rudy Gobert didn't play. That's fair, but if Patrick Mahomes has a huge game for the Kansas City Chiefs or Mike Trout Hits three home runs, or something like that, happens to in another sport to a star player in a non you know major big team big market. That's big news. The next why do you day. think and that in is? In why do you think not? that? But
0: that, but it would be big news if like it, like Kawhi hits a game winner that is plastered everywhere. So this is a specific to Giannis thing. Why do you think that is? Why do you think know. Giannis having a fifty point night? is not splattered everywhere the same way as if many of his peers did it.
1: I don't know. And I don't I, I'm sure I'm sure Bucks fans right now are listening are screaming big market bias. The 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 corrupt national media including you guys, Verno and KOC want be honest to go to a big market. Uh, that's probably what Bucks fans are shouting out I right now. I do not uh, uh, yeah, I hope I he's a buck yes. forever. Yeah, I mean too. I would love to have another Dirk. I, I would think it would yep. be awesome if Giannis were to stay in Milwaukee and become another Dirk. Those guys are going to become more and more rare as we move forward across sports, not just the NBA. I think it would be gr- a great story if that were to happen. But with that said, it, it's a reality. And like that's no knock against ESPN. I'm sure they know what people are clicking. They know what people have interest in. They have all the metrics here. Yeah. Right? And, and there's a reason why Josh Hart, Clearing up his Lakers remarks is in that top headline slot. Over Yana scoring fifty, there's a reason why Carmelo at in his mid thirties scoring twenty five points in his fourth game back in a Blazers win is in that slot. There's a reason why for that.
0: I don't know if it's just small market though, because I feel like look when I looked at the headlines, you know what? Uh, uh, Carmelo Anthony having the big night against Chicago that was splattered everywhere. There was you, you couldn't miss it. Yeah, that happened, and and there was a ton of stories about that. I feel like if Damian Lillard would add fifty, it, it splattered everywhere. So I don't know if it's market size. I don't know what the thing is with with, with, with uh, Typically, if a superstar scores fifty points, it is massive news. And I agree with you that Giannis thing. You, I, I didn't even know it happened. I went to a game last night, and I did not even know it happened until this morning when I was scrolling through everything.
1: Is it because for Giannis, he's so great. It's becoming normal. No, no, you don't think so?
0: No. Cause I was well aware of what Luca did over the weekend. And that was during an NFL Sunday.
1: Yeah. You know what but, I mean? But Luca, but Luca is the, the, the shiny new toy here. Yeah. Giannis, Giannis so. just won an MVP. It's his really his fourth year in a row of having games like this. So obviously he's gotten better each season, but, it's become normal for him at some point does the luster wear off Luca. I don't know. Maybe not. Maybe, yeah. maybe Luca, maybe Luca the new golden boy. And he's the guy that kind of gets chosen as the next face of the league and everything he does off the court, you know, on the court becomes national lose. I don't know. I don't know that. Um, but it's just interesting to me that Giannis going to have a game like that. And again, granted, Rudy, Go- Rudy Gobert did not play, which is one of the big reasons why Giannis had the success. He did. Earlier you know, in the season when Milwaukee faced Utah, they did a good job containing Giannis by building a wall around Gobert with Gobert to contain some of Giannis's devastating drives, whereas last night was a dunk party for Giannis, and he hit his threes, scoring 50. Um, but it's just interesting to me because it, I think that sort of touches on everything that we're talking about here, Then Giannis can have a night like that, and it's just not really a conversation this morning besides in the way that we're having it and i'm not sure how other pods or other tv shows are talking about it if at all but it's just interesting to me
0: Uh, a couple other things that did happen last night that we do need to touch on uh marcus all is the joel Embiid stopper dude he's so good and this like he's just got a he and and obviously you know um i covered mark for many many years here's the thing in today's nba it is very rare for somebody for the center just to get to worry about the center on the other team that typically you are you're trying to stop rim runners. You're stuck in between on screen and rolls all the time. You're trying to quarterback the defense, you know, and I'm talking about somebody that takes the, the kind of pride that Mark does, and I will tell you as covering him for so many years. He is a guy that if he has a center matchup, if it's him against another guy and all he has to worry about is the other guy. He doesn't have to be, you know, that guy is not just going out and setting high screens the entire time. That drives him crazy. Like having to go against the Capellas and the DeAndre Jordans and all that kind of stuff. Because you end up, he's out there guarding Steph Curry or getting switched on to guards or whatever it could be. But if he just has to worry about a center, he and he proved last night, he is still absolutely awesome. Um, and it just doesn't happen all that much. But in the, in the matchups where it can just be me versus that guy, he has always been great.
1: Always. There's a, a great uh, post by my buddy on NBA Reddit, Lewin Jean and uh, Joel Embiid since 2017, among players that have guarded Joel Embiid for at least 50 possessions. Marcus soul over 317 possessions, is holding Embiid to the fewest points per 100 possessions of any player, any opposing big man. And that's a stat representative of, every, of everything that you just said, Chris, that Gasol yep. has been a true Embiid stopper. And last night's game, holding him to zero points was just extraordinary. And, and part of that's on Embiid not being quite as efficient as a scorer this season as he's been in the past his decision making, forcing passes rather than kicking it out to, you know, average or below average shooters has not been good. His playmaking needs to get better. His decision making still needs to get better. And then, frankly, his shooting has not gotten as better as you would have hoped for either. Um so Embiid, very, very good player, a great player because of his defense, but on the offensive end of the floor, showed his limitations partially because of Marcus Soul's greatness on that end.
0: All right, uh another thing we do need to mention Carmelo Anthony. I I, Mello! I had, uh, Yeah, his throwback night. <laughs> what about the I was reading a story about this game this morning. It said that the crowd started like, when he was on the bench, they started chanting "We want Mellow and uh put, bring bring back Mello like into the game in Chicago? I was like, "What the hell? What is going on?" And the other thing is Chicago is now Six and 12 overall could very easily be five and 13 if it weren't for the crazy heroics of Zach Levine over the weekend in that game against Charlotte. Shot. Um, but they're six and 12 overall and three and seven at home. I really thought the Bulls would be better than what they have been so far through the first 18 games of the season. What do we make of six and 12, three and seven at home, and evidently a crowd? Yeah, more excited about Carmelo Anthony coming back in a game.
1: Well, they're and they got an, stomped. Their, their defense is an utter joke. Yeah, that, that's that's the main issue. And I think a lot of that comes down to Jim Boylan with his defensive schemes. He has in pick and rolls, for example. And last night when Damian Lillard would would run a pick and roll with either Hassan Whiteside or scale of setting a screen, typically Chicago has not center come up and show or hedge on that ball handler. And that requires a lot of back-end rotations from the wing, guys like Kobe White or Zach Levine or Thaddeus Young or Laurie Markinen on the back-end to make proper rotations. And those proper rotations typically do not happen. Uh, That's partially on the players. That's partially on the coaching for going with this more aggressive scheme. Uh, I think it would probably be more beneficial for Boylan to go with a typical scheme that you see across the league now with a drop defender which won't hemorrhage quite as many corner threes like we saw from Carmelo last night, or Carmelo was able to attack closeouts against the rotating defender and just get to the rim because that defender was forced to rotate on a, uh, on a pick and roll. So I think a lot of that comes down to Boylan's scheme um, that opened the door for Carmelo to just take advantage of some wide open gaps in that just horrific, pathetic Chicago Bulls defense.
0: Yeah, they just have not the only guys that they have had playing in all eighteen games are Zach Levine, Larry and Kobe White, Wendell Carter, Thaddeus Young, Sadaransky, and Chris Dunn. Um oh, I guess uh Archie Diacano has played in them too. We know they lost Otto Porter to the injury, but Otto Porter wasn't good in the nine games that he played. Um and Markinon has taken a step back, Kev.
1: Fourteen He's not been good. Fourteen and seven? I mean, this is, well, tell me, tell me his his efficiency numbers. That's even more alarming. Tell me those.
0: Yeah, right. So we got 36% from the field, 28% from three
1: yuck. I I don't know what exactly it is. Um, I wrote about it before the season that I, I I worried about the fact that he was sometimes going to be at the fourth option on the team. Um, I don't think that's, that's necessarily all of it, but it could be part of it. And for him moving forward, like he's a, he's an offensive focal point. And look, Levine scoring as many points as he did the other night and hitting the game winner was remarkable. I just think for some of the guys on this team, whether it's Larry marketing or whether it's Wendell Carter, that it would be a bit more beneficial for them to have some type of guy playmaking as a compliment to them because Lowry has scoring talent. Maybe it's not as great as he's shown in the past. Maybe this regression is real. I'd be more willing to bet that he actually does have that, does have that offensive talent. He's just stuck in, in a less-than-ideal situation for himself. And is that on Chicago? Is it on Lowry for not adapting? It's on both. Uh, but ultimately, I think this roster is flawed, and I would like to see them have a bit more of a primary option that has more of a playmaking skill set, which Levine does not. And by the way, The guy they drafted this year, as much as as Kobe White has had some impressive flashes, he also is not a natural playmaker. He is a guy who has poor shot selection that needs to get better. He is a guy that needs to evolve to become a playmaker. He is not that naturally. And so for this team, the roster is better. There's more talent overall. It just doesn't mix and blend well together on offense. And then on defense, the system's just bad. Yeah,
0: it's you know it's interesting what you say about the w- the pecking order of that team. You've got Levine who leads them in seventeen field goal attempts per game, which is not an absurd number by any means. Forty three percent for the field, thirty nine percent from three, which is a great number for Levine. But the two next, the, the guy who takes the second most shots on the team is Kobe White, who's shooting thirty eight percent from the field, and then the third most is Markkanen, who, as you as we mentioned, is shooting thirty six percent from the field. I mean, when your top three field goal attempt guys are going forty-three percent, thirty-eight percent, thirty-six percent, and your defense sucks. I guess it adds up to six and twelve, right?
1: Yeah, I mean they they they, they 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 the bulls are still ass, put it yeah. that way.
0: All right. Last thing. I went to a G League game last night. Ooh. Uh the Memphis Hustle featuring Josh Jackson, uh the old Phoenix from your old bright future sons, no less. <laughs> Uh, he's there. Uh, Fourth along, in
1: the draft. Yeah,
0: <laughs> along with a cast of characters. Uh, and also they were playing against last night the main Red Claws, who are the Boston Celtics G League team. They're the only two undefeated teams in the G League left. I was really wanting to see Romeo Lankford. He did not play. I wanted to see uh, uh, Tremont Waters, but he had gotten called up to the Boston Celtics. But I did get to see Taco Fall.
1: Taco! Oh my yes. god. Oh, it's also Taco Tuesday. Hey, You're nice.
0: 16 points, 18 rebounds, and just going and seeing him in person, and I saw him quite a bit because Memphis is in Central Florida's conference. So, I mean, I saw him, you know, his whole college career um, playing against Memphis, but when he is one of those guys that when you see it in person, it is so hilarious. Kevin, he, he finger rolled without jumping. He dunked without jumping at least two times last night. And it is is so <laughs> da- it, there is nothing funnier than a guy grabbing it off the rim and just putting it back in without jumping, just dunking it. And, and you have guys like jumping around them like they're like their children. Now tacos team got throttled last night, uh, by the Memphis hustle, but God bless. I mean, I would encourage anybody, if he is coming to a town near you, he is, he is a sight to behold. It's like it's like Boban, except it's better in the G League because he plays a bunch, right? He's probably just going to be a spot-minute guy in the NBA like Boban, you know, like a lefty reliever or something. But in the G League, he's like a main character, right? He, he's, he's out there and playing, and damn, he was fun.
1: Have you seen him in person, Taco? Uh, I have not seen him play in person. No. Oh, it's the best. I, I, I'm curious, Chris is is he actually? No, that's a lie. I I I believe I saw him one time at Summer League this year. Yes, I did. Yep. I, I did. I did see him, and he's obviously a joy to watch. It was I'm pretty sure it was his debut at Summer League that I saw him. Crowd was going crazy, chanting for him. It's quite a scene. But you mentioned he could be like a Boban. Boban was a much better and is a much better shooter than Taco. Yeah. Without the shot, is Taco an NBA player?
0: I mean, again, in that role, like come in for a couple of minutes. I I, I, I don't think Taco Ball will ever average 12 minutes a game in the NBA. But could he be on our team, be on a roster, and especially, you know, uh go get you some play some minutes when you're having to play against Joel Embiid right like i mean throw him in there and use up his fouls and maybe block some shots and make some plays and obviously get the crowd back into it but you know look i mean it's just he has to be near the basket if if you're putting him i mean look everybody's just going to pull him all the way away from the basket trying to get him to you know go guard a pick and roll and he's not He's not mobile enough. I mean, you can drive right past him.
1: Like you said, he's the lefty reliever, and, yes. I, and I and I hope he's able to establish himself as that. He can be the reliever in those types of matchups. He can be the the human victory cigar, yes, and blowouts. He can be the the, the player that kids love to watch, drawing more interest yes. for that team and that player. I I and also like he's just like a very good dude, yes, who who's a good teammate, who works hard and has. Truly, I mean, improved and become a player that actually has a shot to making it. So I'm rooting for him. I, to here's what I say.
0: I do think he could. Like, I think he could. I know he could impact an NBA game, which is more than what a lot of guys that are the 15th man on rosters do anyway. You know, I would be more confident that I could put him in the game and it could Theoretically have an impact than a lot of 15th guys on rosters. So that's how you get to have a career,
1: you know? I'm, how I'm, gonna you. Eat, I'm gonna eat tacos today in his honor. That's what <laughs> in I'm in,
0: gonna do. In his honor. Yeah, it was it was a uh, it was a sight to behold, to say the least. Kevin, it is always a pleasure. Go throw on your Tom Brady jersey and go uh, think about all the great wins that the Dolphins, the Bills, and the uh who's the other theme? Dolphins, <laughs> <laughs> a, a jet. Think about all the great wins that those teams have had over the course of the last two decades. Mm. All their moments.
1: Happy Thanksgiving to everybody, all our listeners in the United States. Uh, we will not have a show this Friday. Right, Chris? No, no right. show this Friday, but we'll I'm be not back doing, next I'm Tuesday. not doing
0: one. You could talk into a microphone if you want.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I, I, am, I am staying in LA for it, so I'll, I'll be all alone on Friday. Oh. Not, 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 nothing to do. Well, so you know make, what?
0: Make, Do me a favor. Hey, just call me. We'll just talk.
1: Ah, <laughs> uh, yeah. I don't. I don't want to bother you, Chris. Spend the day with your family. We'll just talk. <laughs> All
0: right, Kevin. I will uh, talk to you soon. Have a great Thanksgiving, and thank you to everybody for listening to another episode of the Mismatch. Give us a rating and review on iTunes. Five stars, five stars. It really helps. And uh, have a great Thanksgiving, everybody. Kevin, I'll talk to you soon. See you later.